weekly podcast about people, politics, and professions. And joining me this afternoon is uh, my co-host Leonard Davis. And we're gonna. You've seen those movies. I'm a a big um, science fiction fan myself, and I, I watch a lot of science fiction movies. And you got those futuristic movies where people are walking through a, a mall or walking through a train station, and they they get these personalized ads, ads that are targeted specifically to them that that uh, seem to know who they are, know about them, and and the ad is specifically designed for them. Well. That is not as far off into the future as some might think. We're going to talk about that today on the surveillance economy. Adjustment. All righty. So, um, we were going to take we we're going to do the the uh, surveillance economy, and we just wanted to take five minutes to kind of uh, <clears throat> talk about uh, the latest in COVID. And uh, so this afternoon, this morning actually, I ran across a video that uh, talked about the spike in COVID cases and that there is a potential to have 500,000 COVID deaths by the 1st of February. Can you hear me, Leonard? Yes, I can hear you. Oh, okay. So there was the, there's a potential for 500 COVID deaths by February the 1st. And we're still playing games with um, whether or not to close the economy. Um, I read it, there was a, an article that I read also this morning, cause you know, I get up, try to catch up on some news that many of the, uh, several of the health care professionals, directors and, and um, the such, in Missouri that have left their jobs because of the threats and the, the emails and the animus that is directed towards them because they're attempting to protect Missourians. And I just, I'm, I am flabbergasted really at, at, at how we're, you know, as a country reacting to what I, what I see as a crisis. You gonna join me in the conversation? Yeah. Uh, here's where I was gonna come in. Oh, okay. As soon as you, as soon as you took a break, there are people <clears throat> that don't care about anyone else. They just care about themselves. Uh, over here in Illinois, this past week, the police had to go to a restaurant and shut it down because people was in there dining against the regulations. We're back to no indoor dining here in Illinois. Uh, you can handle outdoor dining if you got it, either 25 people or 25% or less, whichever is less. And 
These are the same people that you're talking about that uh, plotted to kidnap and kill the governor of Michigan uh, a couple weeks ago. And then Trump did not denounce that behavior. He applauded it. He lauded it. Then he tried to say, well, it was my people that did this. And he forget the FBI and federal law enforcement are not his. They belong to the country. And unfortunately, we got these people that are just willing to have their way, and they'll do it with violence if they have to. Well, and so, 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 so one of the things that surprises me, and, and maybe it shouldn't surprise me, is that they see the reports, or maybe they're just not seeing the reports. You know, why would you get so aggravated at your governor? if you saw that people in your state were dying, you know, why, why, why would you, why would that piss you off? They're pissed off that they don't get to do what they want to do. There's this big thing that came from the leadership of this country about opening up the economy. I believe we should open up the economy along safety guidelines that we don't have over 205,000 people dying in the economy when we open it up. Uh, we're, we're up past 229,000 now. It's 229,000. It's okay. over 229,000 people. It's over 229,000. So either one is, it, it, it's too much. And we got to open up schools where our kids can go to school and not worry about catching this virus and doing it. Like this week, uh, Kirkwood High, which has been one of the best football programs in this state the last 10 years, they had to forego a playoff game because somebody came down with the virus. Uh, another school was in the state playoffs. I forgot the name. It's in Missouri State Playoffs. They had to forego uh, playoff football game because somebody came down with the virus. And I see these different districts trying to open up these classes and they really shouldn't because we haven't contained this virus. And I want the economy fully open. We got too many people out of work. We got too many kids out of school, so it's going to hurt our economy. That's why we have to take care of this healthcare crisis, get it done, get it down, and then so we can open up the rest of the economy. All righty. Well, we're going to leave it at that for now because uh, I really think that <clears throat> this, the current crisis and the how we're dealing with it is, um, I just, it's, I'm just, I'm just flabbergasted, actually, at, uh, you know, how people are reacting to just being asked to wear a freaking mask, you know, that, so anyway, so today we were going to yeah. talk about <clears throat> uh, example of surveillance, or we were talking about surveillance economy, and surveillance economy is, um, so if you've, because of the pandemic, most of us now know about the internet, so there is 
I can't imagine that there are too many people that haven't had access to the, or at least been on the internet within the last six to nine months. Uh, pretty much that's how you have to get a lot of things done. So, you know, you, you can call an agency and um, they're going to, you know, direct you to their website because um, they either had to, you know, move their people out of the office or they just didn't have enough people to handle your calls and they wanted to push you towards their website to uh, get things done. So with that being the case, there are a lot of, <clears throat> and, and one of the things that me, I'm, I'm a technical person. I've been in uh, IT for almost 30 years. And so, um, I noticed a long time ago what was transpiring in the, the online world where they were tracking data. Now there's a, a useful way for them to do it and there is a harmful way for them to do it. So um, one of the things that, that I've dealt with directly is I've gone and, and I'll buy cat food because uh, TJ just does it. I don't feed her table scraps or table food. So, so she eats cat food and I have it shipped to the house. I have gone and bought cat food at Chewy.com and then seen an, an advertisement for the same kind of cat food at Chewy.com and another place. Now I've already just bought cat food. So I'm not, I'm not gonna need cat food today for a little bit. But they're trying to, you know, they're pushing me on uh, or, or sending me advertisements about stuff that I just bought. And I don't, I. That to me isn't useful because I already know uh, I'm going to buy cat food. I already know, you know, pretty much what kind of cat food I want. I mean, yeah, if you want to uh, send me um, advertisements for a different type of cat food, yeah, sure, sure. Um, but but to, to send me advertising, uh, you know, about the cat food I've just bought, to me makes no sense. Because I'm, I'm already a customer. You know, I'm, I'm, my thought that, that advertisement should be about me being able to discover things that I don't already do. Well, uh, in old adage that goes in advertisement, word of mouth can be your best form of advertising. And it is your worst form of advertising. Somebody bad talks you, that's bad. But if somebody good talks you, that's good. So what they want you to do is take those coupons and discounts for the same brand of cat food. Maybe you'll share it with two other cat lovers who weren't customers of theirs. And they get those customers because you spoke about it. Instead of you, the one customer, that's three customers. 
and you're going to need cat food again in probably a month. So if they could keep you buying that brand of cat food, that advertising has done its job. They don't want you to go and switch and do something else. They, they're hoping that you like that cat food and that you buy it and then that you'll tell a couple others who aren't customers to become their customers. That's, that's what they're trying. That's the kind of behavior they're trying to elicit from you. Okay. So where it might not make sense to you, this is what they're doing and it makes sense to them. Okay. So, okay, so think of it. Okay. Let's say that 10,000 people that they give those to, and only a thousand uh, brings in two other people. That's four thousand other. That's four thousand other customers they didn't have before. Okay. Was that worth it? Yeah, for the business's bottom line, that was probably worth it. Okay. And all they had to do, all they had to do was over the internet, tell you, we're going to give you a two dollars off this next bag of ten dollars you spend on cat food. Okay. And you didn't brought them two other customers. Okay. So so here's here's the here's the side of it where the surveillance economy I think doesn't work. Okay. So I get I now getting in advertising about food I just bought. Mm-hmm. It's become irritating because I'm t I don't send me advertising about stuff I just bought. Don't become a pest to me because if I if I I know how to look up your sales. If you want to send if you want to send that to me, if I join a mailing list, you can and most places offer a mailing list. Uh, can you can we send you or you know our latest offers? Which is great. Um, but most of the time I'm surfing the internet, uh, I'm looking for to read an article or watch a video or something like that. And I understand advertising is a part of it, but to bombard me with advertising about stuff that I'm already buying. So, so part of the, the, the nature of advertising is to create an image in your mind about my product so that when you think of buying a product, you think of buying my product. If I'm already buying your product, what is the advantage of creating an image when I'm already buying your product? A perfect example of what you just said is Kleenex. <clears throat> People don't think about just getting tissue. Instead of saying, I need a box of tissue, say, give me a box of Kleenex. Whether you buy the actual Kleenex or not, you buy some other brand of tissue, but Kleenex has, has become synonymous with tissue. Okay. And when they play the numbers game, and all it is is uh, somebody sit back, wrote an algorithm to tell them so many offers to send out or what have you, it's a numbers game. Okay, where you be pissed off, okay, where like the example I gave, 90% of those people were pissed off. But they still gonna buy that cat food. But now, with the thousand of people they got, they got four thousand other customers. So instead of ten thousand bags of cat food in the next uh, whatever period of time it is, it's fourteen thousand bags of cat food. 
and for taking that chance, 10% of their current customer base just increased their wholesales by 40%. If you look at it that way. So, so what and you're saying is, so what you're saying is huh? it doesn't matter that you please the customer. It doesn't matter that the customer feels that their experience with you is a positive one. As long as their bottom line is met, then, then, then all of the harassment, all of the, um, saving of people's data, creating profiles about their personality, um, putting, you know, creating advertising that um, ju is just targeted towards them to make them buy something, whether they want it or not, um, mm -hmm. justifies all of that behavior, ju justifies that. For some, Go ahead. For some companies or organizations, it does, if it increases the bottom line. And you got to remember in this country, it's law that if it's a publicly traded company, the management and the uh, got to do what increases the stockholder value. Or if we talk about organizations like Cambridge Analytica did with the Donald Trump campaign, to get most of the voters that were unlikely Trump voters in Milwaukee not to show up to the polls. And Trump ended up winning the state of Wisconsin by 10 or 20,000 votes because they went through those Milwaukee neighborhoods and Cambridge Analytica worked with Facebook to tell what these, what these particular people did for a living, what were their hobbies, did they go to church or not, and what have you. And then they targeted that area with ads that say, there's no use in you voting. Your vote won't count anyway. So it wasn't about getting them to vote for Trump. It was about getting them to not vote. I understand So that, that they would cancel out other Trump voters. And that's unfortunately, like you said, that's a downside of what this data mining can do is uh is you know be used against some people instead of for the good it's just like anything else just like the internet when it came its intentions were good but thieves and common get on there and learn how to use it to multiply their schemes to where it would take a month or two to do one scheme they could do it in a couple of days now and get the same amount of money, if not more. So it's about what the people use it for. Okay. Well, uh, okay. Here, here's a, here's a, here's a thought. Because you're right. Okay. You're right. It's what people use it for. But there is no absolute. So in the in the realm of advertising, mm -hmm. understanding your buying patterns is not necessary for you to sell your product. Having all of that information about your people yes. does, not does not more benefit the customer. It only benefits the, the, the company. Right. So, so in the sense that uh, do they need to know that last week you bought tissue? 
because they have to advertise their product mm -hmm. to create the impressions so that people remember them. I get that. But to okay. know, but to know every time that you bought, um, uh, every time you bought tissue and what you bought at the same time that you bought tissue is not necessary in most cases because correct so 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 the, the the thing that i'm saying is by allowing this kind of data mining there's no, there the the downside is much greater than the upside because it it is a recipe for abuse because it's data that's it is. go ahead it is now at the same time companies that collect this data tend to get paid pretty well uh for it like you're buying tissue and especially if you buy more during the cold flu season now <clears throat> let's say i make hand sanitizer and disinfect it would i be interested in the customer base that you established with tissue buying because i want to sell more disinfectant i want to sell more hand sanitizer of course i would because see i want them to think if you gotta buy tissue to uh to fight against this colds and flu, well hand sanitizer, because you got the viruses and germs that live, and disinfectant, which is designed to kill the germs that live. So yeah, if you got a if you got a a list, and I was in a disinfectant sanitizer business, yeah, I wanna go buy that. Or if you was in the cat food. Okay, like your your earlier thing, you did the list with cat food. And I make cat collars, I make cat clothes, I make little cat instruments for you to clip your cat's nails. Would I wanna would I want that list? Yeah, that list would be valuable to me. Cause I could say, okay, here are supplements for things for your cat that I could sell. You bought this food. Yes, I would I would love to have access to that list. Would I pay you for it? More than likely. I'll pay you handsomely. So you're not, so the operations that data mine like that aren't just getting these things uh, for their own purposes. They're getting these things for, for selling. Like Facebook made, what was it, $93 billion of profit last year, a year before last. I was just reading, the, hearing a story on the internet I was listening to. And 85% of that came from them selling ads. So if you're a business, you could pay Facebook and they'll run your ads to their subscribers. Okay, if so <clears throat> so I I get that if I buy cat food, I mm -hmm. may be I may be a um, target for other cat items. But that's exactly but, possible. But the situation is, if you're only marketing to cat, people that you know have bought cat food, aren't you missing the potential 
for uh, advertising to more people because there may be somebody thinking about buying a cat that doesn't have one. But if they're not seeing your advertising, then you're not making an impression on that individual. By only targeting the people in a smaller list. Okay, so so the idea behind a smaller list, and I and I get where the company is looking at. The company is so advertising as a whole is expensive because you don't necessarily see the return on your investment. So you place an advertisement, you have no idea how many people have seen that and how many people that have come into your business has seen that. So it could seem like your advertising dollar is just a is just a crapshoot, which it is, which it should be. So you 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 put out your advertising. So companies by targeting, they want to be able to only advertise to the people that they gives them the highest probability of buying their product. But the problem right. in doing that is you you you're invading people's space to be able to be independent so so now i see a bunch of ads about cat stuff but there are other mm -hmm. ads that i'm not seeing because you're showing me cat stuff there are products that i need access to that are other that there are there are other aspects of my life that that need to be addressed but I, I can't see the other advertising because I'm being flooded with cat advertising. I've already bought freaking cat food. I don't need any more okay. cat food for a month. What I, what I may okay, need. Now, go ahead. Well, now you, you did that. But like I said, I got a business that's got these other cat products. So I'm first going to look at spending my advertising dollar on people that bought food because they're more likely to buy cat products. I, I've identified a group of cat owners. So I'm going to go after them first with those advertising dollars. Uh, they're more likely to buy my stuff than other non-cat owners. Now, then I can go to other cat owners that may not be on that list. Uh, and there's ways of data mining for that. Uh, I was looking at uh, uh, listening to a podcast, and this is professor named Joseph Turo. I forgot what college he's at. He wrote this book called The Isles Have Eyes, and he quoted a man that's saying, I know that only 50% of my advertising dollars are effective. I just don't know which 50% are. Mm -hmm. But with this, with these data mining operations, they're beginning to answer that question. Okay, these dollars are effective. These dollars are not. Mm -hmm. And I'm not justifying. If you get on, if you get online, and you live your life online, expect that your privacy oh, you, is going to be oh oh you you really want to open that can seriously. I, it, it, it's Seriously, no. that it's, that's the aisle you want to go truth. down. It's, it's, so what it's you're saying truth. is that if I go online, I give up the right to maintain privacy. 
I'm not saying that you give it up automatically. Well, you said expect that these, You said expect. Understand. Go ahead. Understand that these companies are going to use your data, like Facebook. But we allow them Facebook, to collect the Amazon. data. That's the problem. The problem is, is that we don't have we don't have any laws about the collection and the ownership of data. And that's where we are in society. And that's the whole idea behind the surveillance economy. Your no. data is more important than your daily purchases. Because I, as a business owner, want to want to um, target my my tax, my uh, advertising dollars in the mm -hmm. most efficient way possible. But to do that, I have to uh, reach into your buying habits. I have to reach into your psychology. I have to track things that you do on a daily basis that probably I shouldn't have access to. Now, I'm agreeing with you. See, the people that are supposed to make the laws to govern this behavior, mm -hmm. the federal government, mm -hmm. they're doing it themselves. They're tracking people. I mean, what mm -hmm. was the use of your social security number? about 15, 20 years ago, mm -hmm. for everything you did, everybody and their mama now got your social security number. Wait a minute. That's so you could be. Your social security number was created. You could so be tracked. Your social security number mm. was used for identifying the taxes that you paid towards your retirement. The tracking came afterwards. Okay, what I'm saying is this. Right. The fact is, okay, Go it on. is being allowed, and mm -hmm. the biggest, the biggest attempted breaker of privacy has been the government. They go to these companies, such as a phone company, mm -hmm. give us this. Well, the phone company said, "No, I get to protect my subscribers," or an internet company, "I get to protect my subscribers," mm -hmm. just like what our current president tried to do with TikTok and mm -hmm. force TikTok to get into a partnership with an American company because you're supposedly collecting all this data on our people. Mm -hmm. But our companies like Google collects data all over the world. Mm -hmm. Amazon collects data all over the world. Mm -hmm. Amazon is the biggest collector of data. Amazon and uh, Google. Facebook. And Google. Google also got Facebook. Mm -hmm. They also got a uh, uh, YouTube, mm -hmm. Instagram. They don't have Facebook, but Google runs YouTube. They runs in Instagram. That's they Facebook and Instagram. WhatsApp. Huh? Uh, so Facebook is WhatsApp, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, Google. Yeah, so so we is got YouTube. we got companies. Mm -hmm. We got companies that collect all this data, mm -hmm. like. This uh this podcaster was saying she went to the Amazon four-star store in New York mm -hmm. and tried to purchase something. They don't take cash at the store. You can only purchase through credit card. Mm -hmm. Where there's a whole lot of data with your credit card that they can get, mm -hmm. such as the area you live in, where you live, mm -hmm. your history of purchases, mm -hmm. it's a whole lot of data. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a coffee shop she talked about mm -hmm. up uh, right off the campus of Brown University, mm -hmm. the Ivy League school. Mm -hmm. 
you can get your drink for free if you give them some of your personal data. Mm -hmm. They won't charge you for the drink. Right. So for them... Because selling your personal data is more lucrative for them than the, the, the coffee. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So with these, with these, like Amazon, okay, you bought your cat food, you bought whatever, and you, you bought like $100 worth of stuff. Mm -hmm. Now with your data, they could probably get another four or $500 worth of money out of that. Mm -hmm. With people that come to Amazon and say, yeah, let us get these lists and these people. And that'll cost you five hundred dollars, mm -hmm. or that'll cost you a thousand. Mm -hmm. uh, Amazon knows what your behavior is, how often you order certain things. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could go up on Amazon. You can go up on Amazon. I can go up on Amazon. Anybody and get a history of our purchases. Mm -hmm. What your most recent orders are. Mm -hmm. What was your browsing history? Mm -hmm. They could tell with the searches you look at. Mm -hmm. So they keeping. They're keeping all this data. So the question the is, way, should they be should they be entitled to that data? If there's not a law prohibiting it, they're going to do it. I didn't. They're I didn't ask it. what they're going to do. I asked you, should they be allowed to do it? That's a good question. <laughs> That's a good question. Well, I sure hope uh, so. It is. It's a question that we should all be asking. Right. Because we have a few people. Because as you mentioned, let me let me go let me go back and just recap quickly. Yes. So with your credit card, with your social security number, with your browsing history, et cetera, et cetera. Um an entity can create a psychological profile of you as mm -hmm. a citizen mm -hmm. then they can take that psychological profile and have it impact your daily life so let's say your profile says you lean towards aggressive behavior If that information was passed on to companies, they may treat you differently because your profile says you lean towards aggressive behavior. Yes. Now, that may sound like it's okay because that allows you to stop aggressive people from, um, getting started, you know, becoming a, a problem before, but um, people aren't always the same. St things that tick you off on Wednesday may not tick you off on Friday. Though you may have a habit of Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday being ticked off, Friday and Saturday, you may not. But if you have been profiled that, um, that this is your behavior. You may not be able to break out of that. Um, one of the things that, that, you know, from that podcast that you're talking about um, mm -hmm. was uh, if you've got the Target app, 
if you got the target app i'm I'm gonna play this. I'm gonna play this audio. Can I play this real quick? I know you won't be able to hear it, but you've already you know what it is. Right. Hold on. Amazon's not magic, like Meta said. It's just a bunch of math doing its thing. For example, I'm an author, and yeah, authors search for themselves online, and as a result, Amazon's always trying to sell me my own book. Same goes for Meta. And they know I wrote it. I have an author account. Oh, that wasn't the one. Hold on. Let me. That was the one where the uh, author uh, says that uh, she does a search for herself and Amazon tried to sell her her own book. <laughs> and that's what they talk about is just a numbers game. Someone sit there and runs this algorithm and it comes up and that's what they go with. And that's how... Amazon tries to sell her her own book. Right. And they know she's an author. They know she wrote the book because she has an author account with Amazon. I get it. Hold on. All right. Uh, let me see if I can get it to play. I wonder uh, if, Professor, you could just sort of give us a very sort of tangible uh, illustration of how it works when you do go into a store. There are companies that can track when you walk in. You walk into Target, for example, and you have Target's app. Target will know you walked in uh, if you have your Wi-Fi on. As you walk around the store, Target can track you because of beacons that exist around the store. Let me restart this. I wonder, uh, if, Professor, you could just sort of give us a very sort of tangible uh, illustration of how it works when you do go into a store. There are companies that can track when you walk in. You walk into Target, for example, and you have Target's app. Target will know you walked in uh, if you have your Wi-Fi on. As you walk around the store, Target can track you because of beacons that exist around the store that actually interact with your phone. In that sense, the store can give you different messages, can change prices about you. In the background, Target is figuring out who you are, what's going on. It has kept a lot of information about you. Wait, so like if I'm standing in aisle nine and uh, I'm like, I need diapers, um, will, will I get a different price than the person who's standing next to me? You could. It's it's totally plausible, yes, because uh, they may say, uh, given that we know this person has just had a baby two months ago and she's a big shopper here, we'll give her $2 off to buy Pampers instead of Huggies. And maybe Pampers has made a deal with uh, the store that way. And the other person walking by, they don't have any record of them buying uh, diapers or anything about their shopping, and so that person will have to pay what's on the shelf. So this was the, this was the, and I have to describe it because unfortunately, uh, my setup doesn't allow Leonard to hear the, that particular piece of audio, but this was um, the professor talking about um, if you've got Target's app and you go into Target store, Target can tell which aisles you walk down because there are beacons that connect with the app and let them know what you're looking at and that um because of your history of buying 
they may be able to show you a different price than they show someone else. And, and so one of the concerns that I have is, um, and, 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 and so some people say that that's not necessarily, you know, going to happen. And, and I'll tell you where it's been happening for the past 20 years. Um, if you get phone or internet service, you get an introductory rate. And then when you've been a customer for a while, you don't get the special deals anymore. They only give special deals to new customers. You have been funding that company. Let's say you've been a, a patron of the company for two years or three years. You're paying the light bill. You're paying the salaries. Um, you're making that company be in a place where they can operate and function. The people that they're gonna give the break are the people who aren't yet customers. The people that's gonna get the better deal, that's gonna get cheaper internet, that's gonna get cheaper phone, that's gonna get cheaper toilet paper, is the people that they're trying to, to hook, get their hooks into by giving them something free in the beginning or something cheaper in the beginning and then jack it up on you uh, in the end. And while you're paying the bill, while you're paying salaries and you're paying for, tr for equipment, the, the better deal is going to the customers that they don't have yet. And so, um, and so my, my con my concern is, is that we're normalizing that, that we're normalizing the idea that I can charge one person a, a different price than I can charge someone else for the exact same product, the exact same service. I have multi-tiered pricing. Well, I got a couple things to say about that. An uh, industry where there's commonplace is insurance. Mm -hmm. the insurance industry, they mm -hmm. say, you're a better risk than I am, so I get jacked up higher rates. Mortgage, same thing. You got a better credit score than I got, so I got to pay a higher rate. And the thing that didn't make sense to me, if I'm already... According to you, my credit score is jacked up, so I messed up. So you're going to make it harder for me to pay by charging me more. And then you're going to charge me more, and I have a harder time paying. You'll charge me more. And it's a messed up, it's a messed up vicious circle. Uh, I know for me, I've gone through that cell phone thing you talked about. It was about 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. It caused me to change customers. Mm -hmm. and change companies. Because mm -hmm. I, I called them and said, I noticed that I got this limit placed on me, but you're running an advertisement giving this deal to new customers who haven't been with you, who, who you're trying to give it to change. And I've been with you for two years. And it was one of those things where you I stayed with the company for a year 
and my contract ran out. I didn't have to stay with him. But I stayed another four years. And I said, if you look at it, I only had to stay with you one year, but I stayed with you too. And you're refusing to give me this. So we went through the, let me talk to your supervisor. Let me talk to your manager. I said, okay, right now, you cancel my service right now. I understand. Because I won't stay with a company. And I won't stay with a company that doesn't treat, that treats new customers that are not their customers better than me when I show my loyalty to you. Okay? And they kept sending me bills for about four or five months and I didn't pay them. I understand. And so, and so my point is, um, companies, the question should be, should they be allowed to discriminate against, and I, the word discriminate simply means to pick a customer. I'm not talking about racial discrimination. I'm talking about economic mm -hmm. discrimination. Economics, yes. To say, I will give this person a better price than I'm going to give that person for the exact same product, for the exact same. So, so you've added risk into the factor, but risk is a factor in business, period. If yes. you, if you don't feel that you can so companies start in an area and they expand and that's what they want to do is they want to expand they want to be able to sell their product to more people and more services yeah you know more people in a bigger area right but but they want to be able to um charge people in a different area more money for the exact same product and services. And I, and I don't yes. agree with um, multi-tiered pricing for a particular product. And you got, you got me 100% for that. Uh, grocery stores have done it for years. Mm -hmm. You go to one grocery store in a in a so-called more affluent neighborhood for the same amount of meat that they charge you five dollars for it in the lesser affluent neighborhood they only charge 388 in the more affluent neighborhood so there is all of that that goes on and it helps and how did they come up with those things data mining in other words someone that somehow they got the data and they chose it. Oh yeah. Well, I know if I charge a dollar more, a dollar 20 more a pound, they'll pay it. And so that increases our bottom line. Uh, just look at the difference in gas prices in Missouri and Illinois, Illinois, it's about two eighteen to two twenty a gallon. Okay. In but, Missouri yesterday, when I was riding around, it was a dollar eighty nine a gallon. Is that, and there's other factors that go into that. Right, there's um, taxes and things that that go into that. There's, there's taxes and things that go right. that go into that. Uh, just like with this data mining, if you as a consumer can will change your behavior, and you have options to change your behavior, 
you can do that. And if enough consumers do it, it make companies stand down and change policy. Like, for example, we talk about internet. Over here where I'm at, there's one internet service provider that governs this whole market. After that, you got to get service, you got to get internet service as a hotspot on your phone. Uh, now, there's another marketer that sent me some, and I'll check it out. They sent it about a month ago through internet, and I'll check it out. But that's an example. Uh, uh, you know, what they, what they do now is, uh, I think this data game, the internet marketers such as Google, Walmart, uh, Facebook, and Amazon use, it's just changed. It's changed the name of the game. And unless there's legal consequences for them to do that, this is what we got. Every, they're going to continue to do it. So another, another aspect of why I um, am, am cautious about allowing companies to have this kind of data. Um, so uh, I, several years ago, there was an incident at a um, Super Bowl game. Mm -hmm. And uh, Janet Jackson and uh, Justin, Timberlake. Justin Timberlake were part of the same incident. Mm -hmm. Les Moonves took a dislike to Janet Jackson because of the incident. And, right. And he banned her products from CBS, from CBS um, network. Network from being advertised. Okay. So, mm -hmm. if companies, I mean, and he's he's not an isolated incident. No. But no means. if companies for some reason, take a dislike to you and they have this data on you, mm -hmm. they can do so much more harm than, than the, the good that's going to come out of the collection of this data. Well, just remember the good that's come out of it is basically good for the companies and not necessarily and not for the people, not necessarily for the, for people. the public, for the public as a whole. Right. And I remember that incident you talked about with Janet and Justin, Justin was treated like a king. And it got to the point that people were jokingly calling him a black man. And a few times they made mm. him a spokesman about stuff going on in black community. What does Justin Timberlake really know about the black community? Other than a few years before the incident, him and Janet got together for a tryst or two. I understand, I but, but Janet, I want to keep it on. I don't want to get into right, the, right, the right, racial okay. politics of it, but I want to get into the, the, the data or the, the aspect that companies who have this particular mm -hmm. data, who have the ability, to, 
they already have the ability to impact um, large parts of the country. So they, they establish yes. a factory, they establish a factory in St. Louis, and then uh, they get into a tiff with the man, with the, the, the mayor of St. Louis, and they want to move their factory. That negatively right. impacts that whole community. Yes. Now, now you're giving them granular data. Now that they have granular data down to the individuals, they can do harm, extreme harm on an individual level. And we, we, we've seen the humanness of companies while the Supreme Court has labeled them as, as people. <laughs> okay, Mitt Romney, <laughs> corporations are too, my friends. <laughs> so now that, now that the Supreme Court has labeled them as people, we see that they act like people. They can be vindictive. They can be, yeah. uh, um, you know, Harmful, harmful intentional and harmfully intention intentionally harmful that they don't just yeah. see what they do as a business they will hold a city hostage over jobs yes yes but those jobs like are rams, people huh yes like the rams did with st louis mm -hmm. and they eventually moved their their team out of st louis but you know, it was a it was a company that held St. Louis hostage. Uh, the current owner of the Cardinals, when he saw that the Rams was moving into St. Louis, got that new stadium, before he even sealed his deal to buy the team, the Cardinals from Anheuser Busch, he was pushing for the city to build him a new stadium. And this is this is some of the things that companies do. They look at that data, and everything is data driven, because Amazon was kicking the pants off of Walmart, and that's how Walmart got into the data game. I wish it was all data driven. I think the data gives them, the data gives them information that they can use, but in the end, the decisions still come down to some emotional decisions. How do you, how do you, um, so, so you, you get into a tiff with the, the mayor because you want bigger tax incentives. Um, so Walmart, so Walmart knew they were destroying the mom and pops. They knew it. They didn't do anything to protect those mom and pops. They, they just, they went in and they took tax dollars from the people who needed them the most for their communities. And they took them as a business. They took that incentives and they hurt those communities and they hurt those jobs. And so there's some aspect of it that's just data driven, but there's other aspect of it that's just not caring about the, the community. 
Well, to for some of the data you use and in the ways you use it, you have to not care about the community or care about the people you're hurting. That you're hurting. Uh, how many times have we heard in the last few years about the data breaches and how it would hurt? Now, if you're going to collect this stuff, you have to be charged with the task and held responsible for protecting it. And the fact that we just constantly have these breaches, uh, like the biggest one of the biggest ones was the who was that Experian, the uh, credit reporting credit site. Report, mm -hmm. when, they, when they had their breach, what kind of data does the credit report credit reporting sites keep on you on individuals? But they were they breached. They didn't protect it. That's how you get that breach. You don't you don't protect the data. And so if you're going to keep taking all of this stuff, my God, you gotta protect it. But like that professor who was talking about the I'll have eyes, mm -hmm. a point he made is that the offline and online are now intertwined. Mm -hmm. There's not so much of a difference anymore. And it it became Apparent, and I guess you would know this better than me, spending 30 years in a digital data field. I mean, I noticed it back in the early 90s. If you're a brick and mortar store and you didn't develop a website and a way to sell your wares online, you were more likely going to become a dinosaur than not. It was just a matter of time. And like I, I think about the uh, movie rental stores, the blockbusters and the Hollywood videos. Mm -hmm. Now me, if I was in charge of say, just say uh, blockbuster, I would have set up to do what Netflix was doing at the time. You can rent my movies through mail at your house. You return them, I give you three more. I would have used the neighborhood stores as a hub to rent. Mm -hmm. So all the stores in that area would rent from this store, rent from that store. You might not have kept many, as many people employed as you did before, but you could have still kept some operations going. But Blockbuster ended up filing bankruptcy and the last Blockbuster store that was left open up in, it was either Oregon or Alaska. It went out of business last year. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, that, that writing was on the wall. Okay. And so you had to get, you had to get involved in something to fulfill your brand unless you wanted to, unless you wanted to end it and get out the business altogether. Okay. So, so we've referred to um, a, a particular podcast uh, in the show and the clip that I, I played to you was from a podcast called, uh, actually it's a Mozilla podcast and Mozilla um, um, has worked to protect the privacy of its users the, in the Firefox browser. But the podcast is called Online Life is Real Life. And I will include a link to the podcast uh, in the description. So please find the podcast um, on YouTube, uh, on um, uh, oh, it's on Twitch also. And uh, 
anywhere you get your audio podcast um, and and listen to those uh, additional podcasts, uh, Online Life, Israel Life. Um, I think it was a, a, a real eye-opener. I think you'll really enjoy it. It's a... Um, it's an opportunity for you to grab an understanding of uh, how life is transpiring around you. Um, you want you want to make the last comment, Leonard, and then we're going to close the show, and we're going to look for uh, next week. Uh, just get ready, get ready for this data mining by online companies. I think it's here with us to stay. That horse has left the barn; it's not going back in. <laughs> I am a lot more optimistic than that. But thank you very much for okay. joining me this week. We will be back next week. Have a great evening. That concludes this episode of Altitude Adjustment. And thank you for listening. This podcast is streamed live on YouTube and Twitch.tv and is designed for listener interaction. Visit the website the lion's den stl.wixsite.com forward slash home to join the discussion the audio version of altitude adjustment is available where you get your podcasts including stitcher.com the itunes store and the google play music store to name a few remember that the internet is powered by your likes shares and comments so please like share and comment on this and other episodes of altitude adjustment because it matters and as always Look out for the other guy, because they may not be looking out for you.